Are you ready? Can't the New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're gonna win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Burn, very passionate. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be sucks. Don't Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition, the final week of the NFL season edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast. My name is Keith Farrell, and I am broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. I am joined, as always, by my colleague and co-host, live from Houston, Texas, the biggest Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris, everyone. Live from Houston, Texas on the Elite Sports Radio Network. Thank you, Keith. It is great to be with you. Yeah, we have, uh, you know, the first season of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast. The first Jets season with the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast on the air is in the books, Mike. It was an up and down year. There's some high points and low points. We're going to get into it, talk about some of our, some of the guys that played great this year, maybe overachieved, some guys that underachieved, some surprises, offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year. Before we get into any of those things, before we even talk about the Patriot game, obviously, we have to talk about a Mr. Todd Bowles. Yes. And what occurred this week, the inevitable firing of Todd Bowles. Now, we joked last week in our personal football chat with all of our buddies that I think they may potentially fire him in the tunnel after the game, not even let him get back to the locker room. He didn't really get that much further than the locker room before he found the information out that, you know, the Jets are going to let him go. The Jets are going to move on. He got future endeavor. Didn't even make it to Black Monday, Mike. Todd Bowles is out. A new coach will be here soon. No mixed emotions at all. We knew this was coming, but still, we're not going to joke about it. We're not going to make fun of him. A man just lost his job. That's a bummer. Todd Bowles seems like a great guy. But 5-11, and 5-11, 4-12 the last three years, Mike, not going to get the job done in New York. He knew this was coming. Your feelings about the tenure of Todd Bowles and your feelings on the pink slip he received this week, Mike, please go ahead. Oh, I'm absolutely happy like every other Jet fan. Handwriting was on the wall. Biggest problem with him is he never learned. He never grew as a coach. He never helped his players grow. And that's a sad thing. Was he given a bad car hand? Was he dealt a bad hand? I'm sure he was. But uh, as a coach, you're somebody that has to instill discipline. That wasn't done. You're somebody that has to show growth as far as being a game manager and being somebody who's able to adapt their philosophies to the new way the game is being played. He didn't do that. And um, uh, ultimately, he got what he was deserved. And really, when you look at his tenure, he's the worst coach since Rich Kotite. His winning percentage is the worst since Rich Kotite. And it's unfortunate the Jets did do good to me by giving him patience, being patient with him, because that will be more attractive to the coach that we get next. That This is a very attractive job, one of the most attractive openings in the NFL, uh, right under the Browns, but because our owner, Mr. Chris Johnson, decided to have the architecture of the 
uh, of the way they report to him. They've gotten the cabinet reporting directly to the CEO, and they're going to have the head coach report, report directly to the CEO. So that gives the coach a little more leverage, a little more power, a little more say on the organization, which could be attractive to some of these coaches, especially if they don't really want to work for Mr. Mike McCagnin, if they don't have that rapport, that 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 relationships that a lot of these coaches and GMs have in the NFL. Um, so I believe that the patience that they've held with Todd Bowles paid off regarding the job and how attractive it will be. But we needed to move on and we need to have the best person in here to develop the most important asset that we do have, and that's young Sam Darnold. Yeah, I mean, that's without a doubt. I don't think Todd Bowles is the guy to do that, Mike, but I do think that he's going to get a job somewhere else this league. He's a good coordinator, and he's very adept at, you know, and even this year he showed when he took over some of the play calls. When it comes to being a defensive coordinator, um, he's pretty good. Maybe as a head coach, not so much, but he did get a chance. Got four seasons. They they were patient with him. After two 5-11 and 11 seasons, he still got this year. So, you know, the Jets have a lot of different reasons why teams would want to come here, the main one being Sam Darnold. One thing, even this week, Mike, I just want to, just a side note, something that's just in my mind, because I texted you right away during the game when this happened in the Patriot game. Just even even the last game he coaches as the Jets coach, Mike. We're playing the Pats. It's the end of the half. I know you know what I'm going to talk about yes. right now. And Patriots have the ball. It's third down. They run a play. It's third down. The clock is ticking. Okay? Todd Bowles doesn't call a timeout. Yeah. He just let the Pats go to fourth down where the Pats went for it. We stopped them. Now, 45, 40 seconds now, 40 extra seconds is off the clock. Jets get the ball back right around the 35, 38-yard line, somewhere in that range. Mike, if you have the ball with a minute and 10 seconds left or a minute and a half left and you have two timeouts left, you can very – it's feasible to move the ball. Maybe Anything could happen. Maybe yeah. Get a touchdown, maybe get a, you, know, you saw the Denver game. You remember the Denver game? Yeah, Sam did exactly. it. He did it already. Yeah. And, Easily get a field goal at worst with with uh, Myers playing the way he is this year. Instead, we have all our timeouts left, but there's only 30 seconds left. They run two plays, end up just taking a knee and going the ball in halftime. That that small thing, it's nothing. It's a throwaway moment in the game. We would have lost the game anyway. It did not matter at all as to the outcome of the game, Mike. But that's a microcosm of the way he's coached the whole time he's been here. Absolutely, and I Very just conservative. was conservative, you know, and, and it just it even even it even showed its head in this game this week where. It might not have mattered in the final outcome, but we don't know what the final score is going to be then. They were still in the game at that point. The three points would have mattered. Going for it might have mattered. They went for it on fourth down a couple different times, which I did like. You got nothing to lose. But apply that thought process to everything, and it seemed to me like he almost kind of mailed in this last game here. Yeah, and uh, the final score was indicative, really, of his tenure here, and I hope him well. I hope that he has success and finds peace and happiness, just not with my team. We look at these new coaches coming in. We have interviews already set up with Mike McCarthy, former Green Bay Packer head coach, Eric Bieniemy, Kansas City offensive coach. They interviewed him today. Cliff Kingsbury. This guy, according to Jet Twitter, is the most sought after of all of the candidates. And I just, I don't understand. Maybe I'm kind of lost here. Cliff Kingsbury was the head coach of Texas Tech when Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield were there. So that's the whole, like, because he touched those two quarterbacks. Oh, wow. And then he got fired and became the offensive coordinator of the Trojans under a head coach that was under hot water. So you're telling me that an offensive coordinator under a coach in hot water in college is a great 
candidate to be a head coach in the National Football League? Okay, he worked with Patrick Mahomes. Congratulations. I don't think that that really, to me, gives me a lot of confidence to give the entire organization. When we're dealing with a head coach, we're not dealing with a guy who just knows schemes. Everybody's looking for the next next McVay. Everybody's looking for the next Matt Nagy. Look, how about we just look for the next best New York Jet head coach? We don't have to copy people or copy different reasons of why this worked or that. We just have to find the right fit for our team, right? So this Cliff Kingsbury thing, everybody's all intrigued. I'm personally not. And then we're also interviewing Adam Gates. I think that's the dumbest thing we could ever do is bring in Adam Gates. Not that Adam Gates oh isn't. God, no, it's crazy. It. It's Keith. It's not about to me the schemes and what Adam Gates knows from a knowledge standpoint. If you went back and looked at Miami's history of this season. There was so much unrest in that locker room. Even a guy like Frank Gore. Frank Gore that me and you respect as a football player. In our SEFL, he's like one of the greatest players. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, this dude's legit. And even he was like, hey, you guys got to get this dude out of here. He was not. He had issues with, with uh, Kenyon Drake. Is there a reason why Kenyon Drake wasn't, like, running more this year? He had a problem with him. You know what I'm saying? It's unreal. What's unreal is he literally, per touch, one of the more explosive players in the league. Mm-hmm. Kenyon Drake, if you look at, you know, I mean, he had a ton of touchdowns, and he barely got the ball. Those games that he had one carry this year. <laughs> this dude's 24 years old, a potential stud, right? And I, I understand Frank Gore, man. He, he's still getting it done, but, I mean... It, there, if you're in a situation where you do have a Kenyon Drake and you have a Ballage on the bench, you're not in a situation like the Redskins where they had to start AP because they didn't have anybody else. Right. And AP went out and he played great. Um, in Gore is still a, a serviceable player. He's not a bad player, but you have a guy like Drake who, you know, he had 40-something catches out of the backfield still, can catch the ball, can run the ball. Last year showed you when he gets, um, you know, when he gets a good dose of carries, he's really good. The guy barely gets the ball the whole season. Right. So... There's a lot of things they did there in Miami that don't make like, any sense at all. So he, he, I don't, I don't think it's just got any interest in him. He's a jabron. Well, he's. I know they're, we, we, they're interviewing him. He, he, ju- they ju- we just got an update now. Adam Gates officially is being interviewed by the New York Jets, and I read that, and I'm just like, well, uh, that, that makes no sense to me at all. Yeah, like, literally I makes sense. Like, how do you get fired? You just got fired in one year from a team, and you're gonna get it's the same thing you're talking about Kingsbury. Kingsbury, he's a fired Big Twelve coach. He's getting, you know, interviews in the NFL, and the main reason is that these teams in the NFL now, a lot of them want to go to spread offenses. They like the way the college offense is going. Uh, you know, point you put points up, it's flashy, it's you know, it looks good. But I mean, I want to have someone come in, and like I said, we talked about during the week, Mike McCarthy. I'm not interested in him at all, and he's made a lot of really bad coaching moves. And I don't really, he seems like someone who'd be a front runner for a lot of different reasons. I'm not really interested in him. We did a whole entire episode here on AEBG a few weeks back of all the different coaching candidates. And I think we went through them. We had a pretty good, um, you know, pretty good detail. We went through a lot of these guys, yeah. Mike. I think yeah, that- Pete, Pete Carmichael was our favorite. But let me just add something because I know a lot of people, Jet fans, are talking about this right now. So it's on a lot of people's minds. Uh, the Tampa Bay offensive coordinator is another guy we never brought up, Munkin. Uh, he's pretty intriguing. There's a bunch of people who like him, and also Matt Rule, who's the Baylor head coach, is another one that they're considering. But Joe Beningo, I was listening to Joe Beningo and Evan Roberts today on The Fan. Joe Beningo wants McCarthy, and I don't want McCarthy, and neither do you. We talked about it. But Joe Beningo made a reason of why we should grab McCarthy. He said, this is not the time 
that the New York Jets should hire somebody to learn on the job. He said, we have a 21-year-old quarterback. We have a team full of young kids. We are about to go ahead and start rebuilding. We need to bring in someone who knows what they're doing, who's gone through the gamut. Yes, he may not be great with, you know, up to date with McVeigh with the schemes and everything, but he's been through the rodeo. He's been to, and then he brought up another point that I have to admit, I said, wow, that, that's a pretty good point. He said, when Aaron Rodgers came to that Green Bay Packers, you had Brett Favre, who was, uh, you know, saying, oh yeah, I'm not going to be there till June. I'm not going to be there till July. And then he would show up in July and training camp and start the entire time. Aaron Rodgers as a rookie was from from March when every the year started all the way up till July. Aaron Rodgers was running the team as a rookie and then as a first and second year player. And he said that Mike McCarthy was working with Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy was preparing him for that transition. So when the time came, he they were saying, oh, should we pick up Kerry Collins? Should we pick up Garcia? And McCarthy and his crew had already worked and molded Rodgers to where they said, no, he's ready. And then, of course, the whole Favre drama and the way he handled that entire transition. Uh, he said that he deserved a lot of credit for that. And Aaron Rodgers and him, just over the years, obviously, the relationship got frayed. There were coaches that were fired. There were the philosophies that, that Aaron Rodgers didn't agree with. And it just fell apart after the years. Again, I'm not saying McCarthy is a great guy, but that pick of Aaron Rodgers and then the transition into Aaron Rodgers and having Aaron Rodgers prepared to become one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, a lot of that had to do with how McCarthy set up that environment. Well, you you say that. You have no idea at all. No one does. Like, what you're saying is that Mike McCarthy is the reason, you know, Aaron Rodgers was able to excel and he prepared him for this transition from Favre to, to, to be this great player. Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. Remove Mike McCarthy from the equation, he's one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. What does he have to do with Aaron Rodgers being great? You hand the baton off from a Hall of Fame quarterback to another Hall of Fame quarterback. I'm not giving you credit for that. I'm not. You you can. Other people can. I'm not giving someone credit for saying, oh, here's Brett Favre. Oh, now I have Aaron Rodgers. What did you have to do? What did he have to do to get Rodgers to be good in that scenario? And all I've seen him do as the Packers coach for the past, I don't even know how many years, is make coaching mistakes, glaring coaching mistakes, that if you type his name into Google and type in Mike McCarthy coaching mistakes and hit enter, you're not going to like what you see, Mike. You're not going to like what you see. You're not going to like the headlines that say, you know, all the, the Jets, the Browns, should stay away from Mike McCarthy, or, you know, USA Today did a whole entire article on him saying how he bumbled his way out of a perfect job by basically alienating Aaron Rodgers. So when you hear that Aaron Rodgers walked into Mike McCarthy's office last year and you know wanted to speak to him and the general manager about players and this and that, they basically told they basically told Aaron Rodgers to take a walk. You know, would Bill Belichick do that to Tom Brady? Probably not. You know, I don't think Sean Payton's gonna do that to Drew Brees. So I have a different take on that. Like Joe Beningo wanted to be conservative and say, oh well, hold on a second, this guy has done it before. It's not the time to take a chance. Well, that's one way to look at it, but when the Saints took Sean Payton as their coach and had Drew Brees, that was taking a chance. That worked out pretty well, right, Mike? Thought that worked out pretty good. Okay, that worked out pretty well. Sean Payton was not a head coach before that. Sean Payton was something they took a chance on. 
So, you know, and like you look out in LA with what they did with their coach and stuff. I'm not saying you have to copycat everyone and do what they do, but I don't just subscribe. I don't prescribe to this notion. The same thing with Belichick and Brady. When Bill Belichick was the coach of the Browns, the Browns were not good. They weren't a good team. They weren't a football team. They might have been okay. They might have won eight games. They might have made the playoffs one year. They were not a team that anyone was like, wow, look at Bill Belichick. Look what he's doing with the Browns. You know when Bill Belichick got good? When Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time, became his quarterback. Right. So guys like that, like even when no one, no one talks about Joe Torre being a great coach, but he won all he won all pennants and made the playoffs every year because you had the best team. Well, so well, if I, I look at it differently, I don't I don't look at Mike McCarthy in any way, shape, or form. I never heard Aaron Rodgers say this one time. Never heard one single time Aaron Rodgers speak glowingly of Mike McCarthy and his help and his development. I've never heard him say that. Well, so that I could defend myself, this was not what I was saying. This is what Joe Beningo was saying. And the point is, is that the most important direction this team needs to go is to get someone in here to get Sam Darnold to the level that he needs to get to, to win football games and dominate. And what Beningo was just basically saying is that they drafted this young kid, Rodgers, and Mike McCarthy provided the environment, the tutelage, and the tools for Aaron Rodgers to learn while back up to, to Brett Favre, who did not care about him, and got him to the point where he was able to just take off. And yes, the talent of the quarterback absolutely is the most important part to his ability to actually grow, but you need to have the right environment around him to get him to that point, and McCarthy has already proven that he's done that. This was not something that I was saying. I was reiterating you, and what he said to me, what I heard Beningo say, I hadn't heard this before, it made sense to me. I said, well, that's true. That's a pretty good point, Joe. Um, But everything you just said is absolute fact. Yes, McCarthy has coaching gaps. Yes, we know that he's outdated with his schemes, and he did not support Aaron Rodgers the way he needed to be supported, which is why we didn't really like him as a head coach, why he's not attractive. But Beningo has a point. The man did provide an environment for Aaron Rodgers. He didn't just come in the league and was great. He had to learn to be. And he had... Well, that's what... This is the, this is the thing, I guess. This is where... You're, you're telling me what Beningo's saying, but then you're supporting it. I think it's a good you're, point. So, so, I think it's a good point. Trying, what, that's fine. What you're trying to do is you're saying Joe Beningo says it. Don't blame it on Joe Beningo. You agree with I that. agree with that point. point. I think it's not even a point. You're not saying anything when you say that. You're saying he provided this environment for Aaron Rodgers to be great. What did he provide? He, bro- like, what, he what, provided. What, what he allowed him to take over. He allowed him to run. The, so what What was being discussed today what is, did he? What did he do? That any other coach wouldn't have done. Like, what did he, he? He's the backup quarterback to one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. What did he do with the backup quarterback that all of a sudden, when he played, made Aaron Rodgers be so great? Aaron Rodgers just was great. And, and, and Mike McCarthy wasn't his coach. I mean, like this quantifiable thing you're mentioning. Like, I'm telling you, it's not a thing you know to be a fact. You're just saying you think that's what happened. And Mike McCarthy is this genius. We can agree to disagree. The the thing is, is that what. Having a young coach come in here who has to learn how to become a head coach may not be the right direction right now, right? Uh, I'm not saying McCarthy is the answer, but I am agreeing that I do believe whoever comes in here needs to be the right person for Sam to develop. And that that's and I'm not sure who that person is currently. Again, we talked about it. I wanted uh, Carmichael from, from the Saints, but he doesn't seem to be a candidate at this time. Uh, but it needs to be somebody like that. Yeah, and I, I, only, I won't pretend like I know either who the guy should be or 
what's going to be the best uh, recipe for Sam, because I don't, I mean, there's so many different variables that play here and so many different things that work and don't work. You have a coach like Andy Reid, who's been in the league a million years. Mm-hmm. He goes with Mahomes. He does great. Yeah. Go out there to the LA Rams. You have a young coach, young quarterback. That worked out. So it can go either way and work. I get it. I just don't want them. And just in my mind, or I just don't want to retread, I guess. I don't want someone that just got canned. Yeah. From a situation to then be your coach, I yeah. guess. That's kind of the only way I'm looking at it. The situation uh, kind of got heavy on me. All right, so let's get into some of the highs and the lows of this year for the New York Jets. 2018 season. Sam Darno getting drafted at the beginning over there in April. Obviously, it was a high to start the year off. Got us going in the right direction, Mike. We're not going to go through the whole season. What I want to touch on real quick, maybe, is some of the guys who stood out, the defensive players of the year, offensive players of the year, special teams players of the year, those type of positives going here for this last episode. I know we had some negatives, a lot of losses piled up this year, but hopefully it's all for the better. Hopefully we are going in the right direction now, get a number three pick, load up, maybe get an offensive tackle there, Mike. All right, Mike, so let's start off with the defense. I don't think it's that hard deciding who the defensive player of the year is for the New York Jets. Standing alone atop the mountain, the only man who lived up to the New Jack City moniker. The only man defense in the secondary to me who stood up to the moniker this year, of course, for me, and I'm going to guess you agree, Defensive Player of the Year for the ABG Podcast, New York Jets 2018, Jamal Adams, Mike. He just, he's a lion, this guy. He's a leader in uh, in and out. He He's a general on the field, tackles, coverage, you know, you name it. Holding players accountable, holding players accountable that are, you know, a lot older than him and have a lot of, a lot more time in, than he does. Um, he has been phenomenal and he's been the best draft pick that Mike McCagnan has made so far besides Sam. We'll, we'll see what Sam becomes. Um, and I couldn't be happier to have him. He's the only one who lived up to the to the name that they tried, the New Jack City name that they they, they tried to instill in the beginning of the season. So I absolutely yeah, he, all year long from the first game to the last game, solid. He said before the year started, which I loved. He said 2017 will be the last year I don't make a Pro Bowl until I retire, which I love the I love the guts. I love that he put himself out there like that, Mike. Put himself on blast. Put the magnifying glass on himself, and guess what? He lived up to the hype. 115 tackles this year, three and a half sacks, recovered three fumbles, had one interception. And besides all those stats I just mentioned, his impact on the game in other ways that don't show up on the stat sheet, Mike, is even bigger than any of these stats that I'm showing you right now. Yes, even bigger. And like, like I said, that whole issue with Tremaine Johnson... When Tremaine Johnson was late and he called him out on social media, that, that I saw that and I'm just like, yes, man. That's the type of guy we need, man. You know, you, even before the first round pick, Darren Lee, uh, obviously you see what happened to him, you know, not doing the right thing, ended up getting suspended. You know, these some of these guys are just clowns, man. They, they don't take their job seriously. This guy, he takes his job as serious as you and I do and many other great professionals around this country. You know, he's very serious about his craft and he's very passionate about his craft and he changes the brand and he's going to be a recruiting tool because there's people that are going to want to play with this man, a young man, as we go forward. Him and Sam Darnold are the offense and defensive leaders on this team. And I just can't say more about uh, Jamal Adams. Congratulations going to your first Pro Bowl, young Absolutely. I and, mean, you know, also this year, we'll give a shout out to our boy Avery Williamson. Had a tremendous season as well, yes. Avery. Yes. Um, 120 yes. tackles yes. for him. Yes. So 
He's someone, and we're going to mention some guys, Mike, that we thought maybe surprised a bit this year. I think he was a free agent signing that for a lot of Jet fans kind of flew under the radar. Wasn't a wasn't a big-time name. Wasn't someone that everybody knew about. Um, the line, so, so far as linebackers go, when we signed him, not, not a lot of waves when we signed him in the offseason. Came in, 120 tackles, had a great year. Jamal Adams, though, definitely the best defensive player this season. Now let's get on to, we'll save offense for last. Let's go to the special teams. Mike, this is tough because we had two guys, actually, from the special teams unit make the Pro Bowl. Yeah. Which is, when, when does that happen for the Jets? You know, uh, you know, we got Myers, who is a local New York native here, Maris Red Fox, make the Pro Bowl. Kind yeah. of faltered at the end of the season there with a few games. Uh, put us in a tough spot. And you have Andre Roberts also make the Pro Bowl. Now, why I'm going to go ahead and select Roberts, to me, Mike, as the special teams player of the year, is that, you know, his, his returns... Uh, the field goals, obviously, keep you in games. and You need those. And there's been games that we wouldn't have won without Myers. I can name one specifically when he made the seven field goals. We wouldn't have won without him. Um, and that game was tremendous. But all year long, Andre Roberts has been putting the Jets, when he does take the ball, he's averaging about 30 yards of return. So Andre Roberts has been getting that ball out to the 35-yard line, the 40-yard line. Then he'll break a big run, getting it across midfield. And, you know, there's there's been games this year where um, the Bills game off the top is, is, is the main one to think of, where his returns really are what kept us in the game because we couldn't really move the ball, but we only had to drive the ball 25 yards here and there. We're already in field goal position because of him. So to me, the best special teams player this year, I got to give it to Andre Roberts. Put Sam in a couple of positions where he was able to work with the field and go on some scoring drives, set up Myers for field goals. Which tremendous player. Trem- absolutely. One of the best, probably the best in my lifetime, actually, I, absolutely spectacular, and um, he's been a great pickup, and we can use him going forward. I hope he stays. And you know what? Just quickly going back to the coaching, the only coach that I hope comes back is our special teams coach because it was the only unit that really played absolutely fantastic through the entire season. No, you're absolutely right. And I mean, the last, the only other kick returner. I could remember making a big impact for us, like you said, was Leon Washington. That's about it. You know, it's been a while since <laughs> we had someone that really was that effective for us. And, and, you know, even Brad Smith a little bit on kick returns. We had him do a return every once in a while. wasn't that bad back in, yeah. the day. Um, back in the day. But when it comes to the offensive players of the year, Mike, now our offense was not great this year. It was not great. No. It was not a fun offense to watch. Mm-hmm. We were not the Rams. We're not the Chiefs. We're not the Saints. That's not, that's not where we are right now in the maturation of the New York Jets offense, but a few guys stood out. A few guys played decently, I guess. Uh, you kind of got to grasp at straws this year for an offensive player of the year for the Jets because obviously it's not going to be one of the offensive linemen. We're not going to give the award onto a kicker even though he made the Pro Bowl or a special teams guy like Roberts. Corell had 685 yards, six touchdowns, missed a couple games at the end of the year. Really two big games this year. Or you could say three big games, I guess, but for the most part, a quiet year for him. Robbie had 752, six TDs. Yeah. Um, pretty decent year, and he missed a few games too. Showed he could be a weapon. He's, he's like, like we said, Mike, he's basically a number two or a number three. He's playing at a, at a, a number one for our team by default with injuries. But my offensive player of the year, and I don't really know how you can argue it, Mike. It has to be Sam. Yeah. It has to be Sam Darno. Now, I know his stats weren't amazing when, before he went on that three-game hiatus, but he came back, played really good when he came back, ended up with 17 touchdowns, 15 interceptions for the year. Um, and just if, I know on maybe some other teams that wouldn't be the offensive player of the year for the Jets this season, 2018, 
that's really the only guy you can really point at. And he played, you know, he, he missed three games, I get it. Still finished with 17 TDs. Almost got to 3,000 yards. His, his numbers, if you, if you if you protract them through tw uh, all 16 games, he would have finished with about 20 touchdowns, about 3,500 yards. He played every single game this year, which is pretty good, Mike. And I want to throw another stat at you, Mike, with Sam. Now, you know, he came back these final three games, Mike, and I'm going to ask you in a moment who your offensive player of the year is. Let me just throw this at you real quick. He came back those final three games, he had five TDs, no interceptions. And as you mentioned last week, his QB rating's been great. But there's three games this year, the second Miami game, the Minnesota game, and the Cleveland game, where he, he, those are pretty much his three worst games of the year. Mm -hmm. In those three games combined, Mike, he had nine interceptions. Mm -hmm. Okay, in the season, he had 15 interceptions. So in the other 10 games this season, not the second Miami game or Minnesota or Cleveland, the other 10 games he played this yeah. year, Sam Darnold has 16 touchdowns, six interceptions, and a QB rating of a 90. So, I understand three games, he had three kind of stinkers, but he's a rookie. Take those three games out, his numbers look pretty good. Yeah. And his numbers right there over a full season are tremendous. So, I know you can do a lot of funny things with numbers and, you know, all the games count. But he's a rookie, and he really did have three horrible, horrible games that mess with his stats. The other ten games he played, like I said, 16 TDs, six interceptions. That, that's actually pretty good. Um, and I think he is the Offensive Player of the Year for 2018 for the Jets. Oh, I think so. I mean, this even this last game, uh, there were several drops by some receivers in, in New England. It was a very tough environment. You know, he was 16 for 28, 167 yards. But he didn't throw a pick. He didn't throw a pick over his final three starts, throwing at least 28 passes in each game. The last rookie QB that went three straight zero int games on throwing 28 throws without an interception is Carson Wentz doing it in weeks one through three of the 2016 uh, year. So Sam, you know, ended the season pretty strongly, and I'm glad he didn't throw any interceptions against in a hostile environment against Bill Belichick trying to run for that number two seed and uh, losing all the players that they had. Sam had his. A very, had, a very, had an up and down year. He had some really, really bad games, but he also had some really, really good games. And um, he is my offensive player of the year. But beside, if I were to pick another player besides him to be my offensive player of the year, it would be Chris Herndon. Chris Herndon finished his rookie season with 502 receiving yards and four touchdowns while owning a yards per target of 8.96 yards per game. He's one of only two rookie tight ends ever to hit both of those marks. The other one, Rob Gronkowski. How about that? Now that is a stat. He had 505 yards, Mike, when he finished the season off. And we'll, we can get into it right now because we want to talk about some of the people that were the biggest surprises of the year. Now, I mentioned Avery Williamson. Uh, Andre Roberts was tremendous there. Kick returns. End of the season. Not so much of a surprise to you or I, who psychotically monitor every single player on the team. But maybe some other people, Neville's you at the end of the year, was a bit of a surprise. Mike, I know he really only played the last couple games there, but once Lee went out. But yeah. to me, the biggest surprise of the season was Herndon. And if you go through the first five games of the season, Mike, he had only 48 yards. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about the last 11 games of the year is when he put up 450 yards, basically. You know, and, and he only had eight yards last week, so that's basically 450 yards in 10 games. You know, that that's that type of season, I mean he's just a rookie. So that type of season, if you're averaging 40 to 60, 40 to 60 yards as a tight end, that's almost a thousand yard season right yes. there. And if you know, in the low end, say you just get 45 or 50, you're talking about a 700 yard, 600 yard season, that's really good for a tight end. And he's only a rookie, and he didn't even start getting utilized till about week six. Prior to that, they didn't really throw the ball to him that often. Um, dropped a big time pass with Sam. Um, I think it was I think it was the first Miami game too. So 
Prior to that, had a few mistakes. But from week five on, the rest of the year, like you said, and he, he did, he is the only other guy you could maybe say um, offensively you could feel excited about. Because, yes. you know, the, the first the, the time we played Indianapolis and he had 56 yards um, against Minnesota, 42 yards. He had 62 versus Miami, 57 versus New England the first time. He had 82 versus Green Bay, 53 versus Houston. So he's another guy, Mike, to me, not only someone to consider, you know, as one of the best offensive players of the year, but has to, to me, he's kind of the biggest surprise on the team this year because I think all the players we thought would play kind of good, they played kind of good. I think we thought Sam would play decent, Mike, right? Mm-hmm. He played pretty decent. Um, Avery Williamson maybe maybe overachieved a little, maybe played better than people thought. But the guy who played the best that no one realized, I think, is her. Yeah, yeah, him and my surprise would be just on the opposite side on the defense is Henry Anderson. Henry Anderson actually had just as good or even better of a year than Leonard Williams. Who would know that the guy that McCagnan would trade for with the seventh pick would end up with seven sacks, 60 sack yards. He would have four pass deflections, 22 solo tackles, 13 assisted and 35 total which was right there with Leonard Williams. This guy's motor was just tremendous all season. Uh, Outside of Herndon, Henry Anderson has been absolutely the most surprising to me. He's he's tied leading the the team in sacks with Jordan Jenkins. Bravo, bravo. Yeah, that is that is a great that's a great selection there for the biggest surprise. That's a good one. I I, I didn't have Henry up there, but I you know I should have because he, he for what we traded for him too. I think it was a seventh round yeah. pick, basically nothing. And you know Jordan Jenkins, I think too maybe he's not someone that gets a lot of pub, not someone that anyone really knows besides Jet fans. But seven sacks for him, so a good year for him. Also a bit of a surprise. Yeah, lunch pail guy just goes to work, shuts and up. And you just mentioned to me who's the biggest disappointment of the year in your spiel just a moment ago. Now we a lot of guys that were disappointments. I think Terrell Pryor we thought might do something for us at the beginning of the year, Mike. Just absolutely nothing. <laughs> I think Tremaine Johnson for a good portion of the year also. And you have to say, for the money we paid him, I know he had some good games at the end of the year. He did pick his level up a bit. You have to say Tremaine Johnson is also a disappointment. But Leonard Williams. Oh, yeah. Leonard Williams, Mike, here we are. Yeah. We just finished his fourth season. Um, He had five sacks this year. Uh, he was going with three and a half sacks for about, it seemed like the whole year he had three and a half sacks. He didn't do anything. Finished with about 42 tackles, five sacks. In his four-year career in the NFL, Leonard Williams has 17 sacks. You know, we drafted him thinking he could be like an Aaron Donald. You know, I think Aaron Donald had 20 sacks this year in the one season. You know, yeah. um, we, we drafted him thinking he could be someone that make that type of impact. Maybe make a, you know, because if you're, if you're somebody, Mike, that's getting double-digit sacks, if you're 10 to 15 sacks a season, you're probably getting, you know, 20 to 30 other times that you're almost getting a sack when you get that pressure. So you're impacting the game in major ways. And he just, he just doesn't do that. And I think he's somebody that... Mm. We, we've, we've documented it on the show. Um, we kind of, because of where he was drafted and kind of how his, his first season was so-so, his second season seemed like he was going up. The past two seasons, he's done pretty much nothing. Uh, for what he gets paid and what he's going to get paid next year, I do think he maybe because he might even get cut in, uh, this season considering what his, his cap number is going to be. Leonard Williams, to me, by far, by far, Mike, is the biggest disappointment this year for the New York Jets. I, I would agree with you. I would agree with you from a production standpoint. The guy who's most disappointing to me, you it, it, most fans would be like, wait, what? But he's. But there are a lot of people here that 
I found disappointing. May, Marcus May being injured was disappointing. Darren Lee with the suspension was disappointing. You know, even Isaiah Crowell, you know, and Bilal Powell had disappointing seasons. But to me, the biggest disappointment for me was Quincy Anunua. And the reason why, it's not because of production, because when he played, he was pretty good. It's that he's not on the field. And we need you on the field. You missed the entire 2017 campaign. You come back, you're supposed to be a weapon for Sam Darnold to utilize. You're in for a few games, and then you're out. And then you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. We just signed this guy to an extension, uh, 20 million guaranteed over the next four years, so about five million a year, which I don't think is bad. He can learn, he can get up to about nine a year, nine million a year um, in incentives. But he's bit to me, he was the most disappointing because I expected the most of him. I thought he was going to be our best receiver, even better than Robbie. And there was a little bit in the beginning of the season, I think you'll agree, that he was doing really well and getting that rapport with young Sam. But Quincy needs to get healthy, and I, I'm glad he's back, but I really hope he's on the field next season and he has a bounce back. Yeah, I agree. And that contract they signed him to is incentive-based for the most part, so mm-hmm. he's going to need to be on the field to make most of that money. There actually isn't that many great free agents out there, Mike, wide receiver, so I understand the move. I understand making sure you have depth at the position, but he's not someone you think would get a big, giant price tag like that, but if he does play to his full potential and stays on the field, he is a good player and a tremendous possession receiver for the New York Jets, so he is someone that may be disappointed. He had a few good games with Sam uh, at the beginning of the year, but like you said, kind of bummed out that he couldn't stay on the field. Was able to get back on the field for a few games, then went back out injured again. So, right, I mean, that's kind of right, how the Jets' right, season right. was. And, yeah. you know, we're going to continue here on the AEBG podcast, everybody, to talk Jets. There's going to be a lot of stuff coming up this month, especially coaching hires. Um, we'll see what happens with that. There'll be a lot of talk about the draft, even though it's January. Usually a lot of draft talk happens right around when they sign a coach, January, February, dies down for a bit, comes back in April. So we'll have a lot of stuff to talk about. Well, one thing we're going to talk about in the upcoming weeks also for everyone is the current state of the NFL, which is the NFL playoffs, which we're not a part of. But we're going to cover them. We're going to talk about the games. We're going to break down the matchups. Maybe get outside our little AEBG box. Get outside our box of the New York Jets. Cover the other teams. Have some fun talking about them, Mike. We don't have as much emotionally invested, so it might be easier to talk about it and to talk smack and not be as emotional as we normally are. Get as hyped up as we normally do. Um, but we'll still be here to entertain you, cover the games, cover all the matchups, all the big things, all the all the high spots, the low spots. We'll have a Jabroni of the Week back again next week. Mike will have news and notes back again next week. Mike, let's get into these playoff matchups. Preview it real quick. Maybe say we think it's going to win the whole enchilada. The ABG 2019 NFL Playoff Preview. Here we go. The situation uh, kind of got heavy on All right, everybody. Ain't Easy Being Green is here. We're going to be covering the, the NFL playoffs for you on a weekly basis. Mike's going to give you tidbits. I'm going to be giving you information as well. Uh, we're not part of the playoffs, Mike. It's a bummer. We're, not that we thought we would be this year, but another year of us sitting on the couch from the outside looking. Hopefully that's going to change soon, but it's still going to be fun to go through the games. Still going to be fun to hopefully watch one of these teams take down the evil dark side known as the Patriots. And speaking of the AFC half of the bracket and the AFC games, Mike, we had the Texans and the Colts coming up this week. Divisional battle. Texans Colts. You are about to be blessed with a special guest appearance by Mrs. EBG herself, Tabitha Lagaras. <laughs> No, no pressure, Tabitha. Just go on there and just go on there and talk about the Texans. 
Right, you know. If he, if he, just, if he <laughs> gives you a little lead in, that would help. You know what I'm saying? He's just like, yo, come in here. Nothing. He's like, hey, come here, come here. All, all sneaky and creepy. Oh, you know what? I'll make it easier <laughs> for you. How about this? Do you think this weekend the Texans are going to whoop up on the Colts or not? Of course. They should. Why wouldn't right, they? See, that's the in-depth coverage that we're looking for here, Tabitha. Exactly. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. <laughs> Houston fan all the way. No, nah, I'm good. good. I'm good. <laughs> I, you know, I do think Houston's going to win also. I agree with you. I think they've been playing great this year. I know you're a big-time Texans fan, so I'm sure you're excited. I I'm am, sure you're excited I about am. this game this weekend. I'm psyched. And you, how far are you guys going? Do you think you win the whole thing with Sean Watson and, and Hopkins and those boys? You know what sucks about this is, like, every time I feel like the Texans can go all the way, we get to the playoffs. And I don't know what happens. We choke. You know what? They and also it sucks had, so bad. That's true. The Texans have had some bad good. luck, too. Because this one year, I remember yeah. they got in the playoffs. And I think it was, no, it was last year when they got in the playoffs. Remember, Watson got hurt. You guys had to start a quarterback. I think he was working yeah. at yeah. a Jiffy Lube the week before. I think <laughs> he, was, he was changing tires. <laughs> or he was working. Well, I'm pretty sure. Why are you talking <laughs> trash, yo? <laughs> you so messed up. <laughs> Dude, we've been in the playoffs for how many years already? It's insane. And every time we get there, we choke. Like, we do really good, and then all of a sudden, somebody gets hurt, or like you said, they go to a gym and get hurt. <laughs> it's just like, it's retarded. It's so messed up. But we do have Watson, and, and he's, he's manning up, showing us Oh, he's good. good. He's so, legit. I love that dude. He's a yeah. great player. And you have great defense. You have J.J. Watt. I think this could be the year, man, if they could get past this first round. It's always tough when you play a team, you play a lot, because they play the Colts twice a year, every year. So that yeah, stinks. Like, yeah. if they played any other team, I'd be more confident. But when you play a team, you play all the time. It's like it's like if Mike right. tries to pull a fast one on you. He can't do it. You know all his tricks. <laughs> no, no. You know all the tricks already. He knows, he knows better. Exactly. He tries to come out trying to be all slick and stuff. And I'm like, what you trying to do? What you trying to do? <laughs> exactly. just, just, just tell me straight up because I already know you're trying to hide something. So, so what's the score, babe? What's the score going to be? Oh, snap. Okay, let's see. I will give Texans 35 and Colts 21. There you go. Woo! I like it. I like it. I like the confidence tab. <laughs> no problem. The EPG podcast. Thank live you for having me. Great, great job you by guys. you as always. Take you care. Got, all right, Mike. So you got the wife on here, the true Houston Texan expert, to let it to let us know what the story was. She sees the Texans winning. I also see the Texans winning. I don't. The Colts don't really have that great of a team. They don't really have that great of a defense. Uh, Marlon Mack and Luck, we know, are great players, but. Besides that, their offensive line's improved also. They have T.Y. Hilton. I'm not saying that offensively they don't have weapons, Mike. Uh, uh, divisional games are tough. I think the Texans have a good defense. I think the Texans have a really well-balanced offense. I see them taking Yeah, I do too. I, I think that Clowney and Watt will get to luck. I think that Indianapolis really has done well by the amazing play of Andrew Luck. 39 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. Um, he threw for over 4,500 yards this year. And T.Y. Hilton has been the biggest beneficiary of Andrew Luck's abilities with 76 receptions, 1,270 yards with six touchdowns. But really, that's all they have. They have Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack has been good. He has over 900 yards, nine touchdowns. Um, but I would say that really it's Andrew Luck who's done the best for them. Their defense also has stepped up recently. But I do believe the talent and the expertise from Bill O'Brien uh, getting to the playoffs as much as he has. I believe that he'll be able to go ahead and help, you know, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Miller, DeAndre Hopkins 
uh, move them past luck and get to the second round of the playoffs. Yeah, let's, let's switch over now real quick, Mike, to an NFC game I want to get into. Bears-Eagles. The Bears oh, and the boy. Eagles. This is going to be a good one. Now, I don't know... If Foles still has any magic Nick Foles dust left in the tank, he might have used it all up last year winning that Super Bowl. He's come back. He's played okay here. Eagles are in the, in the playoffs again. At least they got in there. Um, rough year for them, but you're Super Bowl champs. It's nice to get back in the playoffs. Give yourself a chance at repeating. But they're going up against the Bears team right now that their defense is it's looking it is scary, scary, basically, recently. And like they, the game they played against Minnesota last week, Kirk Cousins basically couldn't do anything no. with the ball. And, you know, and Kirk Cousins is, I'm not saying he's the greatest quarterback in the world, but he's pretty good. And um, they have some weapons, and they couldn't they're do anything. And, you know, their their offense is well-balanced also. I mean, the quarterback's a little young. He makes some mistakes here and there. But he can throw the ball to Bitsky. He's not that bad. He can, he can run the ball himself, too. Uh, they have two good running backs, decent receivers, very creative offense, we know. Defense is tremendous. I think they're, they're going to whoop the Eagles this well. week. I thought the Eagles were going to lose the Super Bowl last year, and Nick Foles beat Tom Brady and company. The Bears should take the W. They're more talented, but I am picking the Eagles, and I'm picking Nick Foles and that folklore. That It's not an educated guess. It's just a guess just based on, on feelings and also on uh, what they've been doing the past few weeks. And Foles just is a gamer. And I think that the champions is something to be a defending champion. And I don't think Mitchell Trubisky is going to beat them. I think that the champions are going to go in there and they're going to whoop Chicago. Now, Chicago's the better team, like you said, and they are. They're better defensively and everything, but sometimes the better team doesn't always win. And you're going to have to knock the champs out. Just writing this down here. Mike is picking the Eagles to win on the road. Okay, Nicole. <laughs> um, we have another game. The other AFC game this week. Chargers Ravens. Is the Ravens and the Chargers. Now, I understand how well the Chargers have played all season. If you're a Jet fan, though, we kind of we kind of look at the Chargers as a Fugazi team. Because back in the day when they had uh, Tomlinson and Rivers, we went in there with Chad Penn and mm-hmm. whooped them. Okay, and when they, with, with Mark Sanchez, fast forward um, five or six years, um, and we went into San Diego again, and they were a number two seed. Mm-hmm. Whoop them! So they don't. They're to me, if when you're a Jet fan, mentally, right. you have no fear of the Chargers. You know, we don't. We don't look at them as a team. Oh, look at their great record. It's kind of like ah, Chargers kind of fade in the playoffs. They always fold. It seemed to be for whatever reason how things have gone for Rivers so far in his career, and I don't think they have what it takes to beat the Ravens right now with. The way they've changed their offense, the Ravens, with Lamar Jackson, with Gus Edwards in there. This team is, uh, they don't play offense like any other team in the league right now. Their defense is playing awesome right now, the Ravens. Um, And I just, I don't know, I have a feeling the Ravens are going to be able to run the ball. It doesn't seem like anyone can stop them right now. Lamar Jackson, you can't even game plan for the dude because he's just so fast. It's hard to ever game plan for a quarterback running the ball. He can throw the ball decently enough, too, to keep teams honest. I think the Ravens are going to come away with a W this weekend. I completely agree with that. If I don't know the metric, so please uh, bear with me, but since Lamar Jackson t- took over, there is a metric out there that reflects the time of possession, and it's something like 3-1, something crazy, where the Baltimore Ravens are just eating up clock. I mean, the only team that beat them was Kansas City in Kansas City with Kareem Hunt. Every other team has lost. They have better 
defensive lines and offensive lines than the teams, than any other team, any of the teams they play. They hit you with the run, they bludgeon you to death, and they just run the ball and take up time. And Lamar Jackson, not saying he's a great quarterback, but the way that they're utilizing him, which is speaks to the greatness of John Harbaugh as a coach and being able to manage the players he has to get the maximum value, is just amazing. And I honestly have this team, I know we haven't got into it yet, but I have the Baltimore Ravens going to the Super Bowl, actually. I just think this team has the best defense, they win in the trenches, and they take time of possession. As long as they don't turn the ball over, I think they're going to steamroll and right to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't know about all that. Let's not get ahead of ourselves and get nuts here. But um, I do think they're going to win this weekend. I think that, you know, a guy like Lamar Jackson, he doesn't pass the ball well enough, really, I don't think, um, to beat the – he's not going to go in and Lamar Jackson with the offense they run and outsmart the Patriots doing what they do. And I don't see that they're not going to outscore the Chiefs. I don't think either. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But he does have he has about six hundred and almost seven hundred rushing yards, Jackson. And basically, what Mike? He's he's started seven yeah. or eight games yeah. as a real starter. So, uh, but you know, passing wise though, he's only thrown for six touchdowns. Um, he has three interceptions. He's fumbled. He's mm-hmm. turned the ball over seven mm-hmm. times. So you can take the ball away from them. But like I like I said, I think they're going to win because. It's so hard yeah. to game plan for them, and I do have a good feeling for them um, in the playoffs, the playoffs as well, Mike. So we'll see what happens with the Ravens. But this week, I have them taking the W versus the Chargers, and the final playoff game that we're going to get to and preview real quick is Seahawks Cowboys. Two teams that I just I just don't like either team, and I know they're both in the NFC. But let me tell you something that always irritated me about the <laughs> Seahawks, Michael, and their quote unquote twelfth man. I grew. I'm 38 years old. So I grew up when the, when the Seahawks weren't good. A litany of jabronis year after year and garbage play and pathetic players and horrible records. I don't remember during that run anyone talking about these great uh, Seahawks fans. I, I don't remember. I, it escapes my memory them being this amazing group of fans that's so loud and amazing and they root their team so great and they, they have a home field event. Where were they when the team yeah. stunk? Because when the Jets were stinking in 1991, I was in every game. <laughs> Um, but anyways, getting back to the Seahawks, getting back to the Seahawks and the Cowboys, two fan bases that are just completely uh, fugazi joke fan bases to me, two hated teams to me, a tough game to call though, I think they're really, of all the games here, I think this is the most evenly matched battle, the teams kind of play, Marshall Wilson to me is a much better quarterback yeah. than Dak Prescott, but the teams play similar types of offense, if they can run the ball. Um, Seahawks slave. Chris Carson's much better than anyone realized uh, coming into the year. Was really been able to run the ball pretty well. Penny's not bad for them as a backup. Uh, Russell Wilson runs the ball all over the place. Uh, with the, when it comes to the Cowboys, we know what they do. Offensive line, Ezekiel Elliott. Since Cooper, Cooper hasn't done really anything the last three weeks, but he's had two huge games for them. At least gives you someone to worry about when it comes to the Cowboys. But I see the Seahawks with all their all their experience they've had in the playoffs. Russell Wilson's had a winning record every year he's been in the NFL. He's a winning player, plays huge in big moments. I think their team's going to come away with the victory of Mike. I think they have a little more a little more going for them than the Cowboys. And also, I don't think where the Cowboys play in that gigantic uh, stadium they play, I don't think that's really a home field advantage because it's almost too big. You know, it's almost like you can't even hear the fans screaming and cheering and yeah. going crazy. My you know? brain tells me to go Seahawks for all the reasons you just said, but I'm going to pick the Cowboys. And I'm going to pick the Cowboys because I believe that they're the more talented defense. I am a big proponent of defenses 
and how successful teams are that play defenses. Uh, obviously, I didn't pick the Chicago Bears, which is why I said the Chicago's better, but that I already gave my explanation for that. But I'm picking Dallas because they have a better defense. They've had one of the best defenses in the NFL all season. Uh, I feel that they have better playmakers. Amari Cooper has been lights out since he's come to the Dallas Cowboys. Ezekiel Elliott is one of the best. He's the top rusher in the NFL. Dak Prescott is, I don't want to call him a jabroni, but he is what he is. He can be efficient. They've had it. They've had a, a tight end, Jarwin, come on as of late, um, and he's done pretty well, you know, in the receiving game. So, and another thing, remember that what happened with Tony Romo those years ago when he messed up the field goal kick? Every time I think of Tony Romo, that's what I think of him trying to hold the field goal and messing up and not getting in. That was against the Seahawks, and they lost. So, yeah, that now is it yes. bad juju going to repeat or? Are the Cowboys going to get a victory here? I think they're going to get, I, you know, it's a tough one, but I, I just have a feeling the Cowboys are going to win. Well, I'll tell you what, since the mid-90s, the Cowboys and the word playoff victory I do know. not go hand in hand. So, I mean, like literally since the mid-90s, the Jets are like a mammoth, amazing franchise in the playoffs they're compared to the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, we have, we have wins at least. We have like yeah. seven or eight wins. In the playoffs, we had some wins with Chad. We had some wins with Sanchez, um, and the Cowboys. I think only have one or two wins since the mid '90s, so that's kind of pathetic. But I think Seahawks are going to win. We'll see what happens, Mike. It's going to be a, a fun weekend in the NFL. Playoffs are always great. A fun time to watch a whole bunch of games, and you know, for the Jet fans, unfortunately for us, we don't have a team in the mix. Giant fans don't either. All of New York is sitting at home on the couch this weekend. Um, a little less stressful, but much less fun as well. And who's your, who's your Super Bowl? Mine is uh, Saints. I believe it will be the Saints and the Ravens in Super Bowl 53. Who, what's your Super Bowl? Uh, it's a tough call for me. I'm actually going to go with, uh, I think that this is going to be the year that the Texans wow. make a run. Because if, if you remember, the Texans always have a great defense. And like I was mentioning in Tabitha, they always have some horrific, like la- for instance, last year, they, they had to play with Tyrell Lake, TJ Yates yeah. as their quarterback yeah. in the playoffs. Um, they, and they've had that happen to him a few times, you know, when Hoyer got hurt and they had Hoyer as their quarterback. I think he had four interceptions in the first five minutes of the game or something like that. Some horrific stat no one's ever seen before. They've had a lot of really bad luck with quarterbacks in the playoffs. This year, they're going into the playoffs with Deshaun Watson as their quarterback. With with Hopkins ready to rock and roll. With Lamar Miller, he's a pretty good running back. The defense is on point. They have good corners. They have good linebackers. They have good defensive line. Um, if they can get past the Chiefs, which I think will be the biggest obstacle, because I know they always lose to the Patriots in the playoffs, but I just, the Patriots to me this year are just, I, they whooped the Jets last week, that's whatever, but the Patriots, I'm just not sold on them this year. I, I don't see how they're going to get it done this year. I don't see on, we, I always say this on paper, and they end up making a run to the Super Bowl, but I just think the Texans are going to be the best team. That like, I know you mentioned the Ravens, they've been playing great recently, Mike, but, you know, that type of team doesn't make a run to the Super Bowl. I know they have a good defense, but they can't pass that's the ball. That's true. So, I don't, you, you have to be well-rounded to kind of get to the Super Bowl. You can't be so one-dimensional. Um, it's very rare that a team that's that one-dimensional makes the Super Bowl. Not saying they can't. They're playing hot right now. They're one of the hottest teams in the NFL. But um, right now, I'm gonna if I had to pick two teams, I'd say I think the Texans are going to make it. And I say they're either going to play the Rams or the Saints. If I had to pick one team, I'd say the Saints because the Saints have maybe been the best team consistently right. throughout exactly. the whole year uh, in the NFL. And they're playing great. But have right there for everybody is another Ain't Easy Being Green podcast. In the books. The Jets season also is in the books. A lot of highs, a lot of lows. I want to thank everybody who has been riding with us since day one in the summer where we're dropping podcasts. We really do appreciate it. This has been an awesome year for me and Mike. We've had a blast. Elite Sports Radio Network, we want to thank you guys too. 
Everybody that's listened to us, tweeted at us, hit play, told your friends about us. In the next couple weeks, we're going to maybe have some guests on the show, Mike. Uh, some people who are jet-related guests and also speak about the playoffs in the next coming weeks. Then maybe after that, who knows, who knows Mike? Maybe bigger and better things to be in the future for the A&E's and Being Green podcast. You never do know what we have up our sleeve over here. But dude, I want to thank everybody for listening. Everybody for contacting us on social media. And if anybody wants to do that, Mike... If they want to get at us, get at you, get at me, get at the interns. Well, as everyone knows, we're hosted on the Elite Sports Radio Network. You can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Please follow us on Facebook at AEBG.JetsRadio, on Twitter at AEBG underscore NYJ podcast, and on Instagram at Jet.AEBG. You heard the man. That's Mike. This is Keith. That was another edition of the Ain't Easy Being Greed podcast. We will get at you next week. When we break down week one of the NFL playoffs and talk more about the Jets coaching search. Thank you, everyone, again for listening to us. Love you all. Peace out. Are you ready? Can't wait. The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans Jet fans. Jet fans. Bird, ready, bird. very passionate. Bird, ready, bird. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jeff Andrew. Brady sucks! Y'all beat us up! Y'all are an unbeliever!